Gentlemen, start your engines. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Listening to Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right, hello everybody. Welcome to the broadcast. Good to have you with us. Of course, we are live on Sunday nights. And uh, this is the 12th of December. And I know that a lot of shows start shutting down, going into replay mode, and I'm not going to do that this year. For a couple of reasons, I don't really have any uh, travel planned, so looking forward to uh, being able to uh, be around this year. I, I was going to do some traveling, but that is, uh, has kind of been canceled due to some circumstances beyond my control, so I'll be here. So we'll be doing live shows, uh, I believe. So we've got Christmas lands on a Saturday, if I understand it right. Let me take a look here at my calendar. Yeah, so we've got Christmas this year is landing on a Saturday, and so is the first, uh, January 1st, New Year's. So that means we can be here for you. We can be here uh, for you for both those weekends, and we'll be able to do that. Tonight, a big show lined up for you. No guest. In fact, I'm the guest because tonight is an Ask Me Anything special. We're going to open up the phone lines here in a couple of minutes. Everybody that gets on the show to ask a question uh, as well as those who have submitted questions over at Facebook. If I use your question from Facebook, you will also get $10 of Bitcoin. So if you get through on the phone lines tonight and ask a question, you'll get $10 of Bitcoin. And if you're somebody who has posted to my Facebook and I use one of those questions that you posted, then I will be uh, giving you $10 of Bitcoin. Now, the questions I'm looking most forward to answering are the personal questions. And I think people might be afraid to ask questions that are personal. I love telling people about my personal life. I'm going to do a little bit of that tonight as part of my opening monologue. Uh, but don't just ask me about things like the stock market and Bitcoin and paying off credit cards and scams. That's good. That's good. But also ask me some other things about my personal life. Uh, that's a lot of fun to share as well. Okay, so let's get into uh, some of our announcements here. I want to mention to those of you that might be in Central Florida this week, and I know a lot of you travel here to go to Disney and Universal and all those kind of things. So there is a place that a lot of people have never heard of. If you're living out of state, I'm sure you probably never heard of this. It is called the Casements, and it's in Ormond Beach. Now, Ormond Beach is just north of Daytona Beach. So it's out here on the, co on the coast. You're out on the east coast of Florida, almost about an hour and a half straight shot east from the, the Disney area, just to give you a point of reference. So John D. Rockefeller had a summer home, a really huge estate, that ended up being purchased by the city of Ormond Beach from his estate after he passed away. And this has been turned into one of the most beautiful historic homes and estates really you'll, you'll see anywhere. And what's really special about this is during Christmas, they decorate this house to the nines. It, it is just something you would, you would just not believe it. It's, it's like out of a, uh, a Rockefeller painting, and it is free 
to be able to go and uh, experience uh, this. And you can go there uh, and also see our concert, which we're doing on uh, Thursday night. We've got the concert, and it starts at 6 o'clock. The house is open. They have trees in there from around the world that you can look at in the ballroom. It's just a beautiful, beautiful setting. And I'll also mention this as, a, as an aside, that in addition to all the free food and Santa Claus and the big band playing, and I'll be performing, uh, there is uh, also supposedly ghosts <laughs> in the Rockefeller home. And so these different ghost shows, the Travel Channel and all these shows that uh, do the ghost uh, deals, they've been there many times as well. So if you're into that whole side of things, you might come for that reason. But if you do come to the event, I will be happy to kiss babies, take pictures, sign books, all of that after my performance. So the big band is called the Moonlighters. It's an 18-piece big band. I will be playing lead trumpet, and I do have a featured solo. So uh, please, if you do come out to the event, uh, be sure and come up and say hello. Uh, it all starts at 6 o'clock Eastern, and it's recommended that you get there by around 5 or 5.30 at the latest to be able to take advantage of the free tour of the Rockefeller home and all of the uh, free hors d'oeuvres and pictures with Santa and all of that good stuff. So that is on Thursday night if you are in Central Florida. Again, that is in Ormond Beach, and I just posted all the details on that on my Facebook page. So if you're trying to write all that down, just go to my Facebook page. It's Thursday night, this Thursday night at 6 p.m. It all starts, but get there by 5 or 5.30, and please come up and say hello. I had a tremendous day today riding my brand new motorcycle, which I mentioned this on my Facebook page of my sister, who I helped to invest in Bitcoin, and she was very grateful about that and bought me a motorcycle. And it's a really beautiful motorcycle. It's a, a year 2000, so it's not brand new, but it's a super cool classic motorcycle. Year 2000 Honda Shadow Arrow. And it's um, a replica of the 1950 Indian motorcycle. And if you want to see a picture of me and my motorcycle in Daytona Beach, that's on my Facebook page. Had a great day. Uh, went down there. Uh, met up with a friend. Did some stuff around the boardwalk area. And then we um, uh, went over to the flea market in Daytona, which is a really cool uh, flea market. If you've never been to this Daytona flea market and you're in the area, it's worth going to. There's a lot of really unique things there. Um, a lot of uh, crafts, um, a lot of things you can have handmade there. There's produce. There's just a lot of unique gift items if you're still shopping for the holiday. So if you're in Central Florida, it's, it's, it's really a shame because a lot of the flea markets have gone away. I know our St. Augustine flea market has disappeared. There was a big flea market in Sanford, Florida, which is near Orlando. That disappeared. But this Daytona flea market, it's really a classic, and it's been going for many years. And it's just a lot of fun to go and walk around. And I only bought one thing, only because um, I was on my motorcycle, so <laughs> I didn't have, like, a lot of places to store things. But I do plan to go back in my car because uh, there were some other things I was going to buy. But uh, I had a fun time riding the motorcycle around. And uh, Daytona is sort of a very – um, just a classic motorcycle town and uh, so much to do there on a motorcycle. So many people riding motorcycles there, a lot of fun. And you can see a picture of me on my new motorcycle uh, up on my Facebook page. Okay. Weight loss coaching. So a lot of you know that I've lost 25 pounds so far. 
continuing on. My goal weight right now, I'm shooting for 160. So that means I've got about maybe 36 pounds to go to get to 160. That's my goal. I don't want to really go below that. When I got married, I was 135 pounds. I don't want to go that low. So I'm, I'm shooting for 160, and I've got uh, about 36 pounds to go. But what I decided to do was to get into the coaching side of this. So the person that coached me had agreed to train me to be a coach. And so I have my first five coaching clients, and I had said I'm not taking on any more coaching clients until after the first of the year. But what I am doing is this. If you're interested in finding out more so that you can get everything set up so that I can begin coaching you on January the 2nd, send me an email to jim at christianmoney.com. I'll probably take five more people in what I'm going to call pre-stage. That is, I'll tell you how the program works, what the cost is. We'll go ahead and get you in the system and get everything going for you so that on January 2nd, you'll be able to start working with me one-on-one -on -one, uh, with your weight loss coaching program. Everybody's going to hit me on January 2nd after the holidays, and I'm not going to take like 50 people all at once. I'm not going to do that. So I took five. I've got five people I'm working with right now. Those are my first five. I will take five more probably the first week to 10 days of January, but I'd like to get those five people pre-staged now. So if you're somebody that wants to just find out more, no obligation, we can do a 15-minute phone call this week. Send me an email, put in the subject line, weight loss, and send that to jim at christianmoney.com, jim at christianmoney.com. Okay, uh, sad story to report, and it's one of those things that uh, you just wonder about uh, why always these certain states get hit with the tornadoes and it was such a tragedy uh, apparently this tornado was like hundreds of miles wide if you can imagine that and uh it it was uh it, it just total devastation worst uh tornado in the history of the state of kentucky the governor expects the death toll to surpass 100 deaths uh once all of the debris has been cleared so a lot to go uh, a lot to be done there in Kentucky it'll be months before people are back to normal we're hearing that some people will be without power for weeks a tragedy especially this time of year especially with the cold weather just starting to hit uh, Chris Wallace who by the way has been sort of a fake conservative for a really long time and I have to tell you, the last couple of years, they always trot him out um, in the presidential debates as sort of the token, quote-unquote, conservative. I never believed he was a conservative. His father was not a conservative. I don't believe Chris Wallace is really a conservative. I don't even believe he's a neutral journalist. Uh, and we heard today the news that Chris Wallace is leaving Fox News to go over to CNN. <laughs> no surprise. No surprise. And it looks like this is all related to uh, probably replacing Fredo Cuomo, because if you remember, what was it a week ago, we reported that Chris Cuomo was fired from CNN. Now the news is that that uh, uh, Chris Wallace will be doing a, a weekday show over at CNN. I don't 
I, I didn't spend all day reading all the articles, but it sounds like two plus two is four. It sounds like he's probably going to be filling in a slot uh, for Chris Cuomo, unless maybe what they do is slide somebody else down to that later time, put him earlier. Not sure what's going to happen, but uh, that one-hour space created by Fredo being fired appears to uh, have created a one-hour space somewhere uh, in the uh, CNN schedule for Chris Wallace to leave Fox News and move over to CNN. And uh, I saw this story in Zero Hedge, and I've been talking about inflation for a few months. And look, the thing is, when we talk about inflation historically, you know, being a financial planner, work with clients for years, we used to always talk about inflation in terms of like 2 or 3% a year and, and how you could, you know, work to plan your investments around uh, to adjust for the inflation rate. We're talking about inflation uh, that we may have never seen before that is happening. And a lot of this is unreported. And when you just go to the gas pump and you look at what's happening to the price of gas, which I have to tell you, that is one of the great, great benefits of owning a motorcycle and living in Florida because the weather is still warm enough here for me to ride the motorcycle even today in December. Uh, it's just crazy how much gas is. I mean, to fill up my Jeep now is over $50. It's, it's just, if you want to hurt the working person directly, gas prices and food prices. And what do you see? You go to the grocery store, you, you get even the tiniest, tiny package of ground beef is 6 $7. It is almost to where you're priced out of being able to buy food. I see so many people now, and I live in a fairly affluent community. I see so many people go up to the meat counter, the, the meat case, and they walk around and pick, pick up and put back down uh, several packages of meat. Uh, this is because people don't have the money, and that includes me. Uh, I only eat one meal a day because I'm doing uh, this nutritional program, and I'm using a lot of these other uh, prepackaged meals, which are great, convenient, and save money, and also help me to lose a lot of weight, which saves me money because I don't have to go to the doctor for high blood pressure and all these other issues that I was dealing with. But uh, the price of food, it's, it's just... It, it's going to be hard for people to feed families. And there's an article at Zero Hedge, which is titled The Coming Inflation Tsunami. And they talk about all of the different negative effects that are going to be in our lives because of inflation. Now, there are some good things, right? So if you own a home, your home's going to go up in value. So certain assets will benefit from this. Uh, a lot of times stocks will go up because of inflation. So there, if you have money and you have assets, those assets are probably going to appreciate. But if you're someone that doesn't have a lot of assets, I mean, even if you have a home, you can't eat your home, right? I mean, your house goes up in value a lot. Maybe you could refinance it or pull some cash out. But, I mean, that's not something typically you're going to be able to take and go down and buy uh, groceries with. Uh, but they say the one thing you can do to protect yourself if you're somebody that is – trying to somehow do something to protect yourself from this inflation tsunami. The author says buy Bitcoin. And wow, isn't that true? Because what we're finding is that there's this question that people have, which is, has Bitcoin gone up a lot or is it just that the dollar has gone down? And that's really an interesting question to explore if you're somebody that likes to you know, economic theory and sort of break things like that down. You know, when you look at the dollar and you look at Bitcoin and you look at how much Bitcoin has gained, 
and how much the dollar, the spending power of the dollar has gone down. You could really make an argument that a lot of Bitcoin's gain, maybe not all, but a lot of it is simply the dollar going down in value. And this is why these alternative currencies, cryptocurrencies, are such a good thing. Because if you are the, a citizen of a country, the United States, for example, and your currency is the U.S. dollar, and the dollar is going down in value, people don't even realize, really, because we don't, we don't teach economics in school anymore, for the most part. Kids don't learn basic economics. And they don't, people don't understand this hidden tax of what the government is doing by putting more money out into circulation and juicing the economy. What this does is it tends to help the wealthy and hurt the poorest in our society. So people that own stocks, people that own real estate, people that own precious metals, these people are going to make more money because of inflation. And then those of us you know, who don't own a lot of assets, maybe I'll put myself in, in, in a little bit of foot in both in both categories because I do own a home. I do own cryptocurrency. I do own a, own a business, but I'm also not part of the super wealthy. I'll say that as well. But if you're somebody that doesn't own a home, you don't own a business, you don't own cryptocurrency, you don't own precious metals, you're the one that's going to pay for this because what's going to happen is you're stuck with just your dollar, your U.S. dollar, and, and you take a dollar and you put it in a book and you open that book up 10 years from now and you take that dollar out, it's not worth a dollar. And it's almost happening on a daily basis. When you go to the store and you realize that the cost of a little package of ground beef is now seven, eight, nine dollars when it used to be three dollars, four dollars, um, that is your dollar going down in value. So the beauty of cryptocurrency is it gives us an easy way of taking some of our store of wealth and moving it into a different denominated currency that is not going down in value. And one of the reasons, and I harp on this a lot, one of the reasons that Bitcoin is not going down in value is that it has a limited supply. There will never be more than 21 million Bitcoin ever uh, you know, available. That is the maximum supply. With the U.S. dollars, there is no maximum supply. The government is doing something very deceitful, very dishonest by flooding the economy with money. And uh, it, can, it can work in the short term. They call it juicing the economy, juicing the stock market. But the losers are the middle and lower class of our population. And uh, this is why people are, are hurting. You can't, I mean, the two things, right? The cost of gas, the cost of food. So another reason to take a look at cryptocurrency. I want to do a little um, product review, which I don't do a lot of on this show, but I really should do more of this. So one of the things I have struggled with for 20 years is sleep. Uh, I have tried a lot of different things for sleep, and, and I've got a lot of good things that work for me. Um, there's one product that I love called Apollo Neuro, which is it's like a watch that you wear at night, and it, it has a, a very slight vibration that actually puts you into a deep sleep state. That's a great product, Apollo Neuro. You can find that online. I also use CBD oil. I take that at night. I also take a liquid um, sleep supplement that's mostly melatonin. I take that at night. Um, I also keep my bedroom very, very cold. I have a separate air conditioning unit 
uh, that I keep in there. I also have a special mattress topper that's made of gel that keeps my bed even more cool. But I discovered something uh, about what, three, four days ago that I decided to buy. Uh, it's something that I would not normally buy, but because I'm such a big fan of Bose, I love the Bose products. I have so many Bose products. Uh, the Bose uh, earbuds, the quiet comfort earbuds, the noise canceling, I have those. I also have the headphones. But for me, with PTSD, music is such a big part of my healing. And when I'm writing and when I'm doing my college work, which I'm going to talk about uh, being back in college in a couple of minutes, I find that having certain peaceful music on with the Bose earbuds really helps me to concentrate and helps me with my anxiety. So Bose has a product called Bose Sleep Buds, and they now have the second generation out. So the Bose Sleep Buds 2 are out. And it's $200 for this product. So it's not super cheap. I didn't want to spend the money, but what can you say? Sleep is, is everything. Sleep is, if you don't have good sleep, you don't have anything. You don't have any chance at good health. And what makes the Sleep Buds different than the normal Bose earbuds is that these actually go deep inside your ear so that if you're a side sleeper like I am, you, these, these will not come out of your ear at night. And what, what you do is on the app that comes with these, you have like several dozen different sleep, uh, sleep sounds you can choose from. So like right now I'm using a thunderstorm with rain. That's what I used last night. And man, is it, is it incredible? I found that I could get by on maybe one to two hours less sleep. So maybe only six hours of sleep and I didn't wake up. And my dogs, one of my dogs, which is a shelter dog, she tends to have a couple of barking episodes during the night. It's just a fear thing that she has. Sometimes I'll wake up and I'll come out and reassure her, but it's hard to do that and get back to sleep. So I try to ignore it. These are noise canceling and also what they call noise masking. So when you put these in and you choose your sleep sound, whether it's a waterfall or a creek or a thunderstorm, there's all these different, one of the sounds I thought was interesting was marina. I used to have a sailboat, and so I'd like to, I used to like to sleep over on my sailboat, and that sound of kind of the boat moving around and the water and other boats moving around, you can have that sound. But these go deep inside your ear, and they run with an app, and you get to choose your sleep sound, and they not only noise cancel everything happening around you, but they do noise masking which can like pick up the sound of a barking dog and actually block that sound. It's, it's pretty remarkable, the technology. And I would have to tell you that I would give this my highest rating, this product, the Bose Sleep Buds 2. And I didn't get these for free from Bose. I do get some products for free when I do. I always disclose that. This was not a freebie, but I do love these, and they're going to be part of my regimen now of sleeping, the Bose Sleep Buds 2. And uh, you can find them on Amazon as well as a number of other sites. Best Buy also has them. Okay, I want to tell you about being back in college. I don't think I've mentioned this on the show yet. And then in a minute, we're going to get into the Ask Me Anything questions. And I'm going to go ahead and put the phone line up right now. 
Okay, so if you're listening on an audio stream, our phone number is 646-716-4041. Or if you're watching on the video stream, the phone number is in the lower right-hand corner, 646-716-4041. Anybody that gets on tonight and asks me a question on my Ask Me Anything special, you'll get 10 bucks in Bitcoin. And just so that nobody tricks me, you'll have to email me and you'll have to give me your phone number you called in on so that I know it's you. Uh, so you can start calling in now to get your place in line. And then we're also going to get to a lot of these Ask Me Anything questions that have already been posted on Facebook. The Facebook people, you only get the Bitcoin if I get to your question, if I read your question. But the advantage is to the callers, everybody that calls and gets on is going to, have, uh, is going to get the $10 in Bitcoin. Six four six seven one six four zero four one. Okay, so let me tell you about my college, why I'm in college. I got to go back to 1986 to explain this. So I went away to college after high school. I left high school. I graduated in 1983, and I went off to college in Springfield, Missouri. I went to Evangel College. And then I went a year to, I'm sorry, I went to Central Bible College first for a year. Then I went to Evangel College. After my second year of Evangel, I was ready to go back for my junior year. About three weeks before that, I got a call to go on the road with a Christian music group. And my thinking at the time was, well, this is what I want to do with my life. I wanted to be a professional touring trumpet player. So kind of my opportunity came up. So I went on the road. And I did that. And then I met my wife and we got married and I never went back to college. I actually went into the financial field, which is why I am where I am today. Uh, Ended up uh, doing really super well, uh, succeeding as a stockbroker, as a financial planner, as a money manager, ended up opening my own companies. So in the about 1992, I had the opportunity to go into a program to get my certified financial planners credential, which is a master's level credential. So it's like the CPA uh, credential for people in financial planning. It's the CFP. And in, at that time you did not have to have a bachelor's degree if you had five years of experience in the securities industry. So I had the five years. So I did not have to go back to college to finish my bachelor's to get my industry's top credential, which was the CFP. So I got the CFP using my five years of experience. And then I went and I uh, took, uh, you know, took all the classes and the 18 hours of the exams and all of that. And I became a certified financial planner and never really looked back, never really thought about going back to college and all of that. So as I have uh, sort of been looking at my life and making plans for the future and looking at the possibility of, uh, my wife retiring soon and, and other factors, I made a decision uh, last January to go back to college. And I re-enrolled in Evangel College. Um, they have a program which is 100% online. And I was able to, as a full-time college student, which I don't think I've mentioned this on the show, that over the last year I've been a full-time college student, I was able to knock out all my credits and requirements, and I will graduate in May of this year. And one of the reasons I wanted to officially finish my bachelor's degree was I do have, I, I really think I'm going to end up in law school. 
And I'm not 100% sure what law school, I know with my politics, it might be hard. <laughs> they get into any law school, but I'm going to take the LSAT and I'm going to try to get into law school this fall. So that's what I'm doing. Now, why am I sharing it with you today? I wanted to share more about my personal life. That was something was sort of a big accomplishment for me to do that. And, and I got straight A's every class I got an A in. I was uh, very proud of myself to be able to keep that full-time college load in addition to continue doing this show and writing and all the other things that I do. But I want to also share this because I wanted to do this as an encouragement for those of you who never finished college, or maybe you never went to college. It's not as difficult as you might imagine it to be with online now. So online, uh, people think it's easier because it's online. It's not really easier in that sense. It's still, there's a lot of work to do a lot of essays to write a lot of tests to take a lot of things like that so it's very much still a lot of work but independent work and you get to do it on your own schedule so each week you get your assignments that are due and you get a week to do them now that's the extent of which you have flexibility you don't just get to do them whatever you have to do them within the week but still for somebody like me, what I have been doing is I take an entire day and I do all my college work in one day. Like It's usually a pretty terrible, grueling day, but I usually set aside one day. It's usually, probably, typically it's, it's Tuesdays because most of my classwork is due by Tuesday night. So usually I'll do a little bit on Friday, maybe about 20% of it on a Friday, and then I'll do 80% of it on Tuesday. So I'll get up super early on Tuesday and usually just knock it out like all day. It'll be like a 10, 12-hour day of just pounding out work. I am very fast as a writer because that's what I do for a living. So a lot of the work is essay writing. So that comes really quick to me. Uh, and I'm also a pretty good test taker, so I can cram it all in in one day like that. But what's cool is if you are somebody that is, uh, you've got a, a job or you're self-employed, you can sort of do this like one hour a night, two hours a night, that kind of thing. So I'm throwing that out to you because uh, it's it's just really unfortunate that so many jobs that you might want to get in, so many things you might want to get into are going to require a degree. And it's kind of silly because I know a lot of us that are in our 50s and 60s, we probably have more knowledge than what any college degree could give us, but still a lot of, there's a lot of prerequisites, especially if you want to go into teaching or a lot of different government jobs. There's just sort of this minimum threshold of the four-year degree. So for me, it's not that as much as it is my uh, just I lifelong interest in the law, and we'll see, we'll see what happens with that. Okay, we're going to get into all of our questions tonight. And uh, I've got one person already holding, so we'll get to callers in just a minute. If you want to call in, everybody that gets in on the phone lines will get uh, $10 in Bitcoin. Ask me anything. And I want to tell you this up front. I'm really leaning more towards the personal questions than I am the financial questions, only because they're a lot more fun. It's a lot more fun to talk about things personally <laughs> than it is to answer boring financial questions. Okay. Now I'm going to go to my Facebook here. One of the problems I'm having is when I'm on Facebook, I'm getting all these beeps and bells and rings. Let me see if there's a way I can mute. I can mute my notifications. Uh, it's not going to let me do that. I guess we'll just have to put up with it. 
see here. There's a way to shut that off. Okay. I'm not going to worry about that. All right. Let's just go to Facebook. And one of the questions that I wanted to start with was a fun personal question. And this one is from Jody Williams. So Jody, uh, here's the deal. Everybody that gets their question read, um, if you are a Facebook posted question, you'll send me an email with your name and then I'll give you the instructions on how to collect your $10 in Bitcoin. Callers will send me an email to Jim at ChristianMoney.com with your phone number to prove that it was you that called. And then that way I'll know it's you and I will send you the instructions. So the first question tonight is from Jody Williams. And uh, this one, I'm, I'm, at, I'm going with this one because it's a personal question. So this will be fun. What's one thing you've always wanted to do for Christmas but haven't? Wow. Huh. I, I, I read this earlier and I've been thinking about it. So there's probably two things. So one would be more like an experience. I've never gone and worked at like a soup kitchen where you go and serve homeless people and that sort of thing. And I've always wanted to do that. I've, I've never done it. I don't know why, because I, I would love to do that. And I'm going to find out if I can find somewhere to do that this year. I'm going to call like the Salvation Army, some of these places and just say, hey, do you need a guy to sweep and mop <laughs> or ladle food, whatever? Uh, I want to do that. That's something I've always wanted to do. Um, and, you know, people that do uh, that sort of thing, you always think like, oh, that's so nice of them to do that. But the reward is, is, is for you as the person that's doing that. So I would love uh, to have an opportunity to do that, to really serve people, uh, the needy people, the homeless people, and to really um, you know, just have that experience. So th that's sort of an experience that I would love to have, Jody. The other one is sort of a travel experience. So I love Korea. And I'm just so grieved that right now there's a 10-day quarantine. You can't get into Korea unless you go there and spend 10 days in quarantine in a government facility at your own expense to be able to go to Korea. I don't know. I'm, I'm missing Korea so much. I'm almost willing to do that. I'm hoping that that quarantine goes away. But I would love to go to Asia, whether it's Korea or Japan or Taiwan or Vietnam or Singapore. I mean, somewhere – uh, in the Asian world and spend a Christmas. And I'd love it to be really Korea. Uh, I, I know they celebrate Christmas very differently in Asia, but they have a lot of wonderful traditions of their own. And there aren't that many holidays, if you think about it, that are really worldwide, right? Because we, like, we have Thanksgiving, but that's unique to us. So when we're celebrating Thanksgiving, people around the world aren't celebrating Thanksgiving. When we're celebrating 4th of July, Everybody around the world isn't celebrating 4th of July. Easter is one of those holidays that is a worldwide, but not everybody celebrates it at the same time. So Christmas is one of those unique things where almost everybody celebrates it at the same time. I know there are some, uh, I know some of the Greek Orthodox, some of the, the Coptic Christians celebrate it a later, a little bit later. But but Christmas is is, I think, unique in that it's mostly celebrated worldwide at the same time. I would love to spend a Christmas in Asia, in particular in Korea. So uh, that's my answer to Jody Williams' question. And uh, the phone lines are open, 646-716-4041. Ask me anything. If it's a personal question, even better. If it's a 
Very personal question, even better. If it's something that makes me squirm and I'm uncomfortable, even better. Uh, uh, callers go before the uh, Facebook post, and uh, the number again is 646-716-4041. We go to 972, which I believe is the Dallas, Texas area. And uh, hello, Dallas. What is your Ask Me Anything question tonight? Yeah, uh, my name is Dustin. Um, I was questioned, but you said to ask personally. Hey, are you the one that has... Dustin, are you the one that sent me your wife's uh, solo recording? Yes, sir. Okay, cool, yes, cool. I, I'm going to look at that tomorrow, and uh, I'm going to pull. I'll share it. You know, we'll put it out there for everybody. So, so very good. Uh, go ahead, though. It could be fi- a financial question. I, I hope I didn't set you up. You know, you, you could be like the reporters with Biden and ask me what flavor of ice cream I got, you know, something like that. Uh, if, no or, or Barbara Walters, if you were going to be a tree, what kind of tree would you be? I would be a money tree. Yeah. <laughs> well, All right, um, go ahead, sir. Okay, so, uh, so from cryptocurrency, um, if we don't have a lot to invest, what would be a good amount if once we know what cryptocurrency to choose, what would be a kind of a good amount to start with? Um, that's the the financial one. The other one was in relation to like forgiving your brother. Um, how did he respond when you, um, I saw some of the video, but like when you sat with him, like what was his response to you letting go of all that hurt? Yeah. Okay. So let, let me answer that one first and then we'll go back to the, to the crypto. Uh, so forgiving my brother, which, um, I actually forgave him in 2008, and I talk about that in my book, How to Pray for a Financial Miracle. I wrote him a letter, and my wife and I both agreed that that was okay, and, 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 we, and we sent this letter to him, forgiving him, and we heard nothing. And uh, that was for us, really, to just release that. But then the reconciliation, which came a few weeks ago, where I put that up on video, he was actually pretty stunned by the whole thing. Uh, my sister was kind of the, the middle person, the middleman uh, to say, you know, my sister is not a man, but I'll, I'll use it. They're middleman. <laughs> my sister was kind of the, you know, the negotiator, like to set up a time and a place and all of that. And I wanted to capture it on video like that, that moment, as opposed to us meeting separately and then doing the video later, which would sort of seem more contrived, but he was kind of blown away by it. But you know, the thing about it was, Dustin, that when I heard that he had only months to live, I thought to myself, you know, after when a, when a day goes by, you can't go back and get that day. And if I'm going to err on the side one way or the other, should I reconcile with my brother or not? I wanted to err on the side of doing the reconciliation because I knew that after he was gone, I wouldn't have that opportunity so honestly, his reaction was he was pretty stunned by it. I don't think he really, even to this day, has still processed it, uh, you know, that, that I did that and that, uh, you know, we, we made that connection. It, 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 was, it was a very surreal moment for me. And I have to tell you one thing. My, my dad um, had said before he passed away that he believed that we were going to reconcile someday. And that was like sort of a prophecy that he left. And I felt like that was also a fulfillment of my dad's prophecy. I'm going to mute you only because I'm hearing a little bit of feedback. So I'm going to put you on like where you can listen. 
uh, but you're not going to be able to uh, to talk so that I don't have that feedback. So, all right, so cryptocurrency. Uh, man, so many people are coming to me right now, Dustin, asking me about cryptocurrency. Good friend of mine and his son uh, took me to coffee this last week to talk about cryptocurrency. I'm still of the mindset, don't put any money in cryptocurrency that you can't afford to lose. I mean, unless you're an expert and you really know what you're doing, you got to take that approach. Don't put anything in you're not willing to lose. Uh, so what a lot of people do is they make it into kind of an all or nothing scenario. So I ran into a guy uh, at a restaurant uh, last night. It was, I ran into him and uh, we're sitting there talking about cryptocurrency. He knows I wrote the book and comes up to the table and starts talking to me. Any case um, he's talking about like getting rid of all of his stocks to buy cryptocurrency and why he doesn't want to do that and why he thinks it's risky to put everything in cryptocurrency. And, and we had the conversation. We went round and round and round. And I said, well, look, don't put everything in cryptocurrency. Just put 100 bucks in or 500 bucks in. And for some reason, people have a hard time with this idea of putting in like a small amount that you can afford to lose, like 100 bucks or 500 bucks. And I think part of that is they don't think they can really make any money on $100, which is why I always tell the story of $100 in 2009 in Bitcoin would be worth over $200 million today. So that's why some of these smaller coins like Ripple XRP, which is under a dollar right now, it would be worth putting in $50 or $100. And now that it's Christmas, uh, look, buy, buy a little bit of money, uh, a cryptocurrency, put a little bit of money in there for your kids instead of buying like a savings bond. Uh, get your kid 50 bucks of Ripple XRP. You know, those are some things you can do this year for Christmas. Buy everybody 25 bucks of Bitcoin uh, instead of giving them, you know, a gift from Amazon. Those are some fun things you can do. There's a lot of things online, too, where you can buy, like, gift cards and give people that with Bitcoin on it. Uh, a lot of different ways of getting the Bitcoin into people's hands. But uh, whatever amount you can afford to lose is how much you should start with. I would say that. So, all right, so callers are going to email me, jim at christianmoney.com, with the phone number you called in on. That will be the proof that it's you, and then you will get your instructions on how to collect your $10 of Bitcoin. So the number to join us as a caller, 646-716-4041. And Dustin, I'm going to say goodbye to you, 646-716-4041. And we're going to go back to Facebook now and start going through all of these other questions that were posted earlier. And let's see if we can find uh, – and I should have – I should have sorted these like so that I could go by like most interesting to least interesting. Okay, here's a bunch of them. All right, let me pull these up here right here. All right, and we'll start. Okay, this one looks good. All right, um, this one is coming in from uh, Mind Movie, which that's not his actual name. I know who this is, but Mind Movie, um, you can uh, contact me tomorrow and we'll get you your ten dollars of free Bitcoin. So he wants to ask, what do you know about cryptocurrencies offering incredible uh, APY? For example, um, there is uh, a $52,000, you can put $52,000 in, he says here, and get a 500,000% annual percentage yield. Uh, yeah, so there are these so-called uh, HYP or HYIP. Uh, I did a book about this a few years ago, um, exposing the, the Ponzi masters. And this was all about the profitable sunrise scam 
that so many Christians fell victim to. So these high yield investment uh, funds um, that are offering people like you can make, you know, several percent a day on your money. What people have done is instead of just making these where you send in your money from PayPal and they scam you that way, they're now using cryptocurrency to just sort of redo the same scam. So by throwing in the, the name Bitcoin uh, or cryptocurrency, it turns the scam for some people into an obvious scam. It turns it into a legitimate opportunity because everybody hears about how much people are making with cryptocurrency. So they just assume that these incredible unrealistic returns are possible because it's combining uh, with cryptocurrency. And let me tell you how the profitable sunrise scam worked and why it worked so well, which is that like all Ponzi schemes, the people that put the money in first, those people were actually getting those rates of return. So what would happen is, you know, they put a $100 in and start making $20 a day on that $100. So that would convince them to put, instead of having 100 in, they put 1000 in. When their 1000 started paying out that much, then they'd put out, you know, they put in 10000 So the proof to them was the actual returns were coming in. Then they would tell all their friends, and their friends would see that and say, well, you know, my friend Bill is doing this, and, and the money's coming in not really realizing that that's how a Ponzi scheme works. That's the, that's the genius of a Ponzi scheme. Because if nobody ever got those high returns, it would die right away. But the way that these things spread like wildfire, wildfire and they explode is because some people actually are getting those returns early on. How is that funded? So, the money that the early investors are getting in terms of their so-called earnings is actually money being invested by later investors. That's why it's called a Ponzi scheme. And eventually every Ponzi scheme has to fail because it's sort of like that, uh, that game musical chairs. Eventually the music stops. Eventually new investors will stop putting in, and then the returns will disappear because there never really were any organic returns. The returns were always the result of people, you know, the, the, the later investor putting their money in, and that's where the money would come uh, for uh, the earlier investors in terms of their rates of return. So uh, Mind Movie, your handle on Facebook, Mind Movie, uh, don't, don't fall for it. Uh, it's BS. It's a scam. Even though it involves crypto, it's still a scam. And a lot of people are doing this with crypto. Uh, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's crazy if you just put the word crypto. I was telling my friend and his son the other day, I have a, a, triathlete, a triathlon bicycle. So we're sitting up at Starbucks, and I keep looking out the window because my bicycle is not locked up. <laughs> and they're like, why do you keep looking out the window? I'm looking out the window because my triathlon, my, my triathlon bicycle uh, is, is like a $2,000 bicycle. And I just had a bunch of work done on it. So it's probably worth even more than that. But I said, you see my bicycle out there that I'm worried about because I didn't lock it up? Yeah, we see your bike. I said, well, if I call that a crypto bicycle, <laughs> I could probably sell it for double. You know, I could probably get $4,000 for it. So that's the reality is that, yes, cryptocurrency is real. The opportunity with Bitcoin is real and all of that. But there's a lot of people just throwing the word crypto in. And when you do that, it ends up uh, 
you know, covering for a lot of questions people have, something that would otherwise be an obvious scam or something that's obviously overpriced uh, has a little bit of an air of legitimacy now because everybody wants to get involved with cryptocurrency. Okay, so uh, let's go to Ernie. Uh, Ernie's a good friend on Facebook, and we're going to give him $10 of Bitcoin. Ernie says, okay, Jim, here's my question. And I just lost the page. Do you think that Bidenflation will cause rents to go up faster than the COLA adjustments the feds are making to Social Security benefits? Are those of us on a fixed income screwed? Well, uh, <laughs> Ernie, I'm sorry to say yes, you are. I, You know, the COLA, it, it's just ridiculous, the COLA. The government has always understated inflation, always has, always will. And, and this time, though, it's going to go to epic proportions because Biden administration, Ernie, cannot honestly admit what the inflation rate is. And I would be willing to tell you, I would guess that on food, it's at least 20 to 30 percent is the inflation rate from what I've seen. And a lot of these uh, numbers they're giving you are just BS numbers, these inflation numbers. I mean, there's no way any, anybody could, with a straight face that's a real economist, claim that our actual inflation rate is below 10%. I mean, it's, it's got to be way above that. I mean, and, and a lot of these uh, inflation numbers, they, they, they call it so-called core inflation, where they exclude food and energy prices. What? Those are the two things that affect most of us directly, food and gas. Uh, so, yeah, those on a fixed income. As you put it, Ernie, are screwed. Uh, unfortunately, it's, it's going to be tough because rents are going to skyrocket, not only because of inflation, but also because a lot of these poor landlords. I met with uh, a good friend, uh, Tom, who's here on Facebook. He invited me out to, uh, to New Smyrna Beach for coffee. He lives down in Melbourne now. He called me up. Uh, a guy follows us for years here, wanted to meet up with me. Incredible guy, both a doctor and a lawyer. And says, hey, you want to come out and have coffee? And I said, for sure. And he has 11 rental properties. And he was telling me that for almost a year, he couldn't collect rent uh, on some of those properties. He said most of his were okay because most of his people weren't in the situation where they could claim a COVID hardship. But on some of his, and he said, look, I don't know how any landlord uh, could really make it if most of their properties, the tenants didn't pay and had a legit COVID hardship. So you've got landlords who have been really, really hurt financially because of tenants not paying rent because of COVID hardships. So you've got that factor that they've got to make that money up. But then you just have just the reality of, you know, your landlord's got to pay more for insurance, got to pay more for repairs and maintenance, got to pay more for, you know, everything, uh, you know, for their own personal life. Their, their own costs are going up. So, yeah, the rents are going to go up and uh, the cost of buying real estate is going to go up. It's going to be tough for people. I'm working on a book right now on how to move to Florida. And one of the things that I'm getting into right now is a really interesting chapter, Ernie, where I'm talking about some of the alternative uh, you know, home situations that people have, alternative residential options. So living in a camper is an option. Now, that might sound like a terrible life to live in a camper, but campers are pretty nice now. And you can get you go on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace. You can get nice campers uh, for five six thousand dollars, and you can rent spaces for you know four or five hundred bucks uh, to live on. 
Also, live aboard a boat. That's another thing I'm writing about in this chapter is what some people are doing. You could buy yourself a nice sailboat for five or $10,000. Live aboard, pay four or 500 bucks a month to rent a slot in a marina. Live aboard a sailboat. These are some alternatives that people are looking at as the cost of housing is getting completely out of control. Let me check the phone lines again. Nobody on the phone line, 646-716-4041. The phone number is on your video screen in the lower right-hand corner. We go back to Lucinda wants to ask a question. So everybody, if your question is read, you got to email me, jim at christianmoney.com with your name, and then I will give you instructions on how to get your Bitcoin. Okay, Lucinda wants to know, with this type of currency, are you able to transfer it to someone else in the event of your death? I'm also wondering, she's talking about crypto here. Can you transfer any amount of it into your checking account if you needed fast cash in an emergency? Okay, so yes, let's talk about transferring it. So I have an account at Coinbase. So if I want to move money from my Coinbase account into my checking account, all I have to do is to sell the cryptocurrency and turn it into U.S. dollar, the U.S. dollar, and then I do a transfer, which takes, they say it takes up to three days but it only takes one day in my, in, in my experience. So you can instantly move your money really into your checkbook in one day. Um, transferring it on your death. So this is kind of a new thing for cryptocurrency. Uh, how do you transfer it? You transfer it like any other asset. So uh, you can set up your account. Some of the crypto accounts are allowing you to now set it up with a payable on death designation similar to a bank account. But otherwise, you would just reference it in your will. The more important thing than referencing even who gets your cryptocurrency would be to leave behind good instructions on what cryptocurrency you have and how your family can access it. Because a lot of times people are using these external wallets and other uh, you know, creative ways or maybe uh, they have lesser known exchanges that they have cryptocurrency held on. A lot of times there's two-factor authentication so your family would need to know, hey, this is where the money is, and this is how you get to it. And you might you know, need to even explain to them how to use your phone uh, you know, after your death to do that two-step authentication and get to that money. So leaving instructions behind, are going, that's going to be just as important, Lucinda, as uh, leaving, you know, uh, you know, listing it in your will uh, that that money um, is going to, you know, to whoever you list in your will. Okay, we go next to Carrie, and Carrie wants to know, he wants to ask me, who's the most desired person to interview that you've just had no luck in getting in contact with? Uh, wow. So there's a lot of people we've asked to come on this show, and we've been lucky to have some pretty big names uh, to come on the show. Um, I would have to ask my producer, like, who is a big name that we've asked that hasn't come on. Um, I know we've invited Trump. We weren't able to get Trump. Uh, I know we've invited some of the big name senators that we haven't been able to get. One guy I'd love to have on who should be gettable, but we've never been able to get him is Tom Horn from Skywatch TV. We, we've had everyone on from Skywatch TV, but we've never, never been able to book Tom Horn. Um, we, we had Dinesh D'Souza booked. Funny story, Dinesh D'Souza is booked, and literally just an hour or two before we're to go live, he cancels on us. 
and we get uh, all these uh, apologies from his uh, people telling us how sorry they are that he couldn't be with us. I was not happy about it, but I said, okay, whatever. So we did the show without a guest that night, and we were promised that he would agree to come back on another time. And they never rebooked, and I really sort of lost all respect for Dinesh D'Souza because I always loved him, went to all his movies, bought all his books. He agreed to come on my show, and then, boom, didn't come on the show. Uh, We've invited Dr. Laura Schlesinger. Um, She hasn't come back on. We've invited Kathy Lee Gifford. We haven't been able to get her to come on. A lot of different Marco Rubio has been invited. We've had a lot of larger names. Now, one of the funny things, so that people who don't really understand uh, podcasts and these kind of shows, I've been syndicated by five different radio networks. So I'm not just somebody that's doing this because I can't get on network radio. I could sign a network radio deal in a heartbeat if I wanted to. I like the independence of this. I like no commercials. I like doing what I want to do. So that's why I'm doing this. Um, I reach a tremendous amount of people that can't be reached in other ways. This show is now ranked in the top two and a half percent in the world by listen notes. We have a global rank. We are in the top 2.5% of all podcasts in the world. And people have no idea how many uh, listeners we have because we're on all the major platforms. We have thousands that are watching and listening live. We also have uh, 10 times that that do the download. Plus, our shows stay up online forever. So that means, you know, the people that have been on, and we've had a lot of big names. Uh, We've had Roger Stone on. We've had a lot of big names over the years. Uh, I can't just recount, recount all of them off the top of my head a lot, but you know what it's for me, it's, it's never just about the big name because we do long form interviews here. Carrie, I'm more interested in interesting people. So some of the, the most fascinating guests are people that maybe I've never heard of that wrote a true crime book. Uh, Lise wheel has been here twice. She's a pretty big name uh, has had some good stuff, but I've also enjoyed some of these other books like, uh, the 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 uh, Hari Krishna murder book it was fascinating. Many of the JFK assassination books uh, were fascinating. Uh, Oliver Stone, we, we've tried to book Oliver, haven't booked him, but we've gotten pretty darn close with some of his co-authors have been on to talk about the JFK assassination. Um, so that is, um, you know, uh, sometimes the show is more interesting with a lesser famous guest that just has a really interesting topic. Uh, Funny stories and misconnections uh, also. Yeah, so I guess that covers all of that. But, uh, Carrie, good question. Uh, Let me throw out somebody I would love to interview and probably interview him in a way that maybe he's never been interviewed before. I would would put two people on that list. One is Sylvester Stallone, who I would love to talk about his early, early days of having no money and struggling and believing in himself enough to write the first Rocky movie and to talk to him about that part of his life and to talk about finding inspiration when no one believes in you and you have no money and you're a nobody. I would love to do an hour with Sylvester Stallone talking to him about that. I'd love to also do a similar hour with Tony Robbins who used to be a client of mine and I've spent time with Tony Robbins. He's a very interesting guy, much different away from the limelight Uh, than he is uh, up on stage. He's a much more 
let, let's just say he's a quieter person <laughs> when you're sitting having a lunch with him at Olive Garden, which, which I've done. And, and he, he's a very interesting guy. I would love to have that conversation with Tony Robbins. Like before you were anybody, I want to talk about you, that with you for an hour. I would love to do that with Tony Robbins. So those are two guests I would love to interview. I'll throw one out there also. Another one would be Dick Van Dyke who is still alive and he's in his nineties. And I would absolutely love to talk to Dick Van Dyke about his career. And, uh, um, odd thing. And I'm, I don't want to get in trouble with anybody, but do you know that he has his personal cell phone number? You can just find it online. Um, and I, I it's just an odd thing that it's out there. Uh, this is, you know, and he lives in Malibu and, and I bet you anything, you could go into the grocery store there in Malibu and see the guy buying his own groceries um, it's, it's, I, when I think of Dick Van Dyke, it's not just, uh, Mary Poppins and bed knobs and broomsticks and chitty, chitty bang, bang, but it's also the Dick Van Dyke show and just an amazing guy who's lived an incredible life. He's lived a hundred lives in one life. And that would be another one I would love, uh, to interview. Okay. Let's see here. Uh, okay. So CM wants to talk about, Bitcoin gains, are they taxable upon sale or taxable upon withdrawal? Taxable upon sale is the answer. So you're going to pay taxes on Bitcoin just like you would on any other capital asset like a stock. So uh, you have the short-term and the long-term capital gains tax. That would be paid on the sale, not the withdrawal. So that's that. And he also wants to talk about NFTs. He's asking about an NFT domain. Now, I don't know about NFT domains, but I do know what a non-fungible token is, an NFT. So a non-fungible token is sort of a combination between a piece of digital artwork and cryptocurrency. So it's kind of hard to wrap your brain around. I honestly don't understand NFTs, but I'll give you one example of an NFT. So Jack Dorsey, the guy that formed Twitter, he actually sold the first tweet. He sold that as an NFT and it went for like $80 million or something crazy like that. So when I first started buying Bitcoin in 2012, I did not understand it, but I still bought it. NFTs, very similarly. I don't understand it, but I'll probably still put some money in some. I'm also right now taking an online course about NFTs and non-fungible tokens, and I'm planning to take what I learned from that course and to write a special report that will be available to those people that are in my online Bitcoin workshop. Uh, that'll be sort of like a new subscriber bonus that we'll make available also. So NFT domains, CM, I'm not familiar with those in particular, but a non-fungible token, I am very familiar with that. And that's sort of the idea of artwork being combined with cryptocurrency. Okay, I'm going to do one more here. I'm going to find one more that looks interesting here. And let's see here. I'm trying to find one here that looks good. Someone wants to know what's going to happen to Tara Reed. I don't know who that is, so I'm not going to be able to talk about that one. Okay, D wants to ask about, do you have any suggestions for end-of-year giving and saving? Are they different this year than previous year? No, they're really not any different. Uh, you know, a lot has changed because the standard deduction is so high. 
So most people are just taking the standard deduction, which means that their charitable giving isn't really going to make a difference for them because they're not itemizing. So with the increase in the standard deduction, it's not something we really talk about a lot anymore. The idea that, hey, get those gifts in at the end of the year so you can get that benefit on your tax return. If you are somebody that itemizes and you don't take the standard deduction, then obviously, yes, you want to do that. Um, for people that are investors, you always want to look at the you know selling uh, stocks that you have that are at a loss. So you want to keep those, bring those losses in to the current year. And you want to wait until after the first of the year to sell any stocks that you want to sell that are at a profit. So you can defer the gains that way. So those are a couple of things. Those are pretty standard things that we talk about. The whole big thrust of year-end giving has sort of dried up since the standard deduction has gone up and since most people are not itemizing. Um, but I also look at it outside of the tax uh, considerations. End of the year is a good time to give because uh, your pastors are in need. Usually they have families. Pastors don't always make a good paycheck. They need to have a, a family, uh, you know, Christmas for their family. It's also a time of year when churches tend to do more outreach to try to help the less fortunate. And there's more of a financial demand. Uh, so this is a time of year uh, that you should step up your giving for those reasons. And I would also close out by saying this, um, giving money to organizations is great, especially if you know the organization to be a good organization that's using the money wisely. But also, I love giving to people directly. Uh, you know, Thanksgiving, I cooked a big thing of spaghetti and I gave it to neighbors, especially widows. I am planning to, um, you know, before Christmas, make a bunch of uh, sandwiches and food like that and go up to St. Augustine and give it to homeless people. If you know a neighbor that is having financial trouble, maybe they don't have money to buy their kids gifts this year, or maybe they can barely buy them a, one gift each or something like that. Uh, that's to me, that's just as legit. I mean, as giving money to the Salvation Army or to your church or to whoever, I mean, going uh, up and giving them cash or finding out what the kids want and going and buying gifts and giving them directly uh, or paying ele an electric bill or a water bill for somebody, you know, that's in need. Uh, you know, one of the things about giving to organizations is that uh, some significant percentage of money in any organization is going to go to administration, the overhead. And that's, that's fine. You've got to have overhead because you've got to have phones and buildings and people are on payroll to make it run. So, so there's, there's nothing wrong with having administrative expenses. But if you wanted to take your dollar and actually get a dollar's worth of giving for the dollar that you're giving, uh, go give it directly to someone. You know, uh, go up to Walmart, get a bunch of bread and lunch meat and make some beautiful sandwiches and go give them to homeless people. Find someone in your neighborhood that uh, needs a little bit extra help uh, getting uh, their kids Christmas gifts. Uh, that's a way that your dollar is worth a dollar. Uh, and there's a lot of people that are hurting this year. I know there was all this money and government help and all that, and that's kind of dried up for most people. And right now there's still a lot of people, uh, you know, small business owners, people aren't still not eating out as much. I was at the flea market uh, up in uh, down in Daytona today, which is usually packed this time of year. Not so much. Not very many people buying things. Parking lot was not full like usual. I really think we're going to have a down Christmas. 
uh, in terms of, of, of spending between this year and last year. And, hey, it's not all about money. But, look, it is partly about money, especially if you are a family with children. Kids expect, because of the traditions in our society, kids expect to have some gifts under the Christmas tree. So maybe you can help somebody to uh, you know, provide that for their kids this year. Hey, I've had a blast tonight answering your questions. If I did answer your question tonight, be sure and send me an email, jim at christianmoney.com. If you were a caller, include your phone number, and I will give you the instructions on how you can get your $10 in Bitcoin. We're going to be live next week, and the next week, and the next week. I'm not taking off any Sundays, so stay tuned. And remember, if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. Thanks for listening. So long, everybody.